Thank you, Adam, for leading us in worship today. It was wonderful. You know, we are rewards-driven people, and we look forward to our rewards when we are with our Savior. But the last line of that song puts it in the proper perspective. We will throw all of those at his feet because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good things that he has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. That's why all of our trophies are at his feet. Let me open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning in anticipation of the comfort you bring by your Spirit through words of truth. We come with our struggles, past, present, and we give thanks with our whole hearts for your steadfast love, even in our wavering faith. Father, thank you for the spiritual feeding we just received through celebration of the supper. And I pray that you would now bless us as, and strengthen our faith through the words of life that you have given to us. And may they be proclaimed accurately by your servant to your people for your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this morning we return to our series in Genesis where the long-running drama in Isaac's family will reach its climax. Now, the central point of contention is the blessing, the blessing with a capital T. To understand the issues of the blessing that we see in this text, we need to know a little bit about what the Bible means by blessing. We use the word casually. Someone sneezes, what do you say? Bless you. Someone helps you out, what do you say? You're a real blessing to me. And these things are all true, but the Bible has a, a, a deeper meaning here. The Hebrew word in the, our Old Testament for blessing is behrak. Got to get that roll in there. Behrak. And it means to make a binding verbal pronouncement of good on another person. A binding verbal pronouncement of good on another person. So blessings are found throughout the Bible. Uh, they're given between people. They're offered by people to God. They're given by God to people as well. And we see this. We bless and encourage one another. Uh, we bless God in our worship as we've just done by singing his praises. God blesses us and his creation by causing the rain to fall and the sun to shine on both the just and the unjust. But there's one very special blessing in the Bible found in Genesis 12. It's the blessing from God to Abraham to make him a great nation, to make his name great, and that in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. In him are key words, because what will become clear thousands of years later is that God is promising Abraham that in his seed is the Savior promised to Eve when sin first entered the world. 
that sin brought then God's curse on creation. Abraham's greatest son would be Jesus, the eternal son of God who would come in human form to conquer sin and death and restore God's creation to its intended perfection. That's the blessing to Abraham in Genesis 12. It's the greatest of all blessings possible from God to us. And this blessing is a cornerstone of his redemptive promise. It's this blessing that Isaac and Rebekah will now jockey for, each betting on their favorite son and using them as pawns as they try to influence and control God's will. In the end, God prevails, but not before widespread carnage destroys this family. Yet, out of the ashes, one important lesson comes, and that is that God's good promise can never be derailed by anything or anyone in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. So I've titled this message, The Big Steel. And the one big idea is on the top of your handout again. It's this, God's promised blessings in Christ Jesus passed through the generations and will ultimately reach its perfect, glorious end. God's promised blessing in Jesus Christ passed through the generations will ultimately reach its perfect and glorious end. I invite you to open your Bible to Genesis 27. Genesis 27, we're going to look at this entire chapter. And the story begins with Isaac on his deathbed, wanting to pass God's blessing to his firstborn son, Esau. However, his wife, Rebekah, has other plans. So I would invite you to stand, if you're able, as I read a portion of our text this morning. Genesis 27 beginning in verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Please go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare delicious food such as I love that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening at the door. So in verse 6, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, verses 8 through 10. Now, therefore, Rebekah says, My son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Now, in verses 11 through 23, Rebekah's plan is, uh, is unrolled for us there. Um, but drop down to now to verse 24. Isaac said, when Jacob comes in, are you really my son Esau? Jacob answered, I am. Then he said, 
Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Now may God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. This family drama, you may recall, began with Rebecca's difficult pregnancy. And in Genesis 25, she inquired of the Lord. She asked God to show her the meaning of her struggle. And the Lord answered this way. He said, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now, Rebecca delivered twin boys, Esau, born first, Jacob, second. And the difference between the two was striking. Esau was robust. He was hairy. He was quick. He was uh, aggressive. He loved to hunt. But Jacob, on the other hand, was smooth-skinned, it describes him. Uh, he was deliberate, and he was content to be at home. Now, Isaac loved Esau because he was that manly man. But Rebecca loved Jacob because of his deliberate comfort that he gave to her and the help that he gave to her. Now, the favoritism of the parents brought an increasing tension in the family. And now in chapter 25 or 27, it reaches its climax. Now, I want to highlight three things for your consideration in this text. First, the futility of Isaac to oppose God. Second, the faithlessness of Rebekah in trying to help God. And third, the fallout from sin that is an important lesson for us in our daily lives and about this blessing. Now, the futility of Isaac begins in verse 1. Isaac is 136 years old. And he thinks that he's about to die. Now, ironically, he'll live another 43 years. Nevertheless, he thinks he's about to die. So he calls in Esau, his favorite, and he asks him, he says, go and hunt game and prepare the delicious food for me so that I may eat it and my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Isaac knows that God has chosen Jacob not Esau, for the blessing. Because that's what God told Rebekah, and that's what God meant by the younger, the older shall serve the younger. And Rebekah has surely shared this news with her husband. But Isaac then attempts to use God's power in a misguided effort to change God's will. The blessing that Isaac wants to give to Esau is, remember, a binding verbal agreement or pronouncement of good on another person. So he's attempting to bind God here to bless Esau. And this shows us that Isaac's faith, uh, he, he views his faith more as magic than as a relationship with his creator. He sees it more as magic and a pronouncement than a relationship that God has initiated with Isaac. 
He reveals also that his God is his stomach. He worshiped the smell and the taste of good food, not the God who provides those good things. And his desire for things sensual will be his undoing because God is going to use his human frailty to deceive Isaac. His humanness will basically be his undoing. And that's what we'll see. Rebecca's plan will succeed because Isaac's five senses betray him. His failing eyesight can't see Jacob's face, clearly. His sense of taste will be fooled by the goat meat that Rebecca prepares that tastes like what Esau would do. His sense of touch is fooled by a goat skin. His ears can't quite hear Jacob's voice. And his nose will be fooled by the smell of Esau's clothes on Jacob. So Isaac's futility brings us to our first fill-in. Human strength is no match for God's sovereign power. Our strength is no match for God's sovereign power. And, of course, we know this, but how often do we try to find fulfillment or joy outside of God's good blessing? When we delight in his will, then we find peace and healthy relationships and the true joy that we seek. But when we attempt to live outside of his will, all of those things are just out beyond our grasp. We just can't find that satisfaction that we're looking for. I think someone once sang a song about that. So when God says, seek first my kingdom and all other things will be added to you, he's promising to provide for you everything that you need, not necessarily everything that you want. When God says that, um, when, when he says that my will for you is your sanctification, so flee sexual immorality, it's because he wants us to enjoy the goodness of human relationships and especially the most intimate one, the human relationship between a husband and a wife. When God says, trust in me with all your heart and I will direct your paths, he's promising to guide us to the best in all circumstances. So when we do, we thrive, and when we don't, we're in danger of ending up like Isaac, frustrated by God instead of blessed by God. So that's Isaac's futility. Let's now consider the faithlessness of Rebekah. Isaac leaves for the field, and verse 5 said that Rebekah was sitting there outside the door listening And in verses 6 through 10, she describes her plan. She says says that while her intentions might be good, what's the old saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions, isn't it? it? So Rebecca's going to try to take things into her own hands here. Good intentions. And she chooses her words carefully when she's talking to Jacob. In verses 6, when she when refers to Isaac as your father and Esau as your brother. And she does this intentionally to, 
to make sure she fans the flame of that sibling, sibling rivalry that's been going on in the life of these two boys. In verse 7, she turns up the heat, adding before the presence of the Lord to Isaac's words. Isaac didn't say he wants to bless Esau before the presence of the Lord. But Rebecca adds that in. It might have been Isaac's intent, but it wasn't what he said. So like Isaac, Rebecca too views God's blessing more like magic than a relationship that God has established with this family, first through Abraham and now through Isaac. She doesn't understand. Isaac is actually acting as a prophet here, but Rebecca fails to understand that a prophet does not declare or determine God's will. A prophet only speaks God's will. But knowing Isaac's weakness, she commands Jacob to go get two young goats for her to prepare. And sensing her intent, Jacob spots the flaw in the plan almost immediately. In verse 7, he says, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem, seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. Now, Jacob recognizes that even his half-blind father is going to know that he's not Esau. And to try to deceive your father like this would bring, rightfully so, Isaac's curse upon Jacob, not a blessing. But Rebecca, again, thinking that this is all magic anyway, she says, oh, let the curse be on me, only obey my voice and go. We can't possibly transfer a curse to someone else. But nonetheless, Jacob recognizes that her plan is, 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 is somewhat sound. So and it, it, he goes forward, and the plan works perfectly. Because she's left nothing to chance. She recreates Esau's recipe. That's the good food that Isaac loves. She dresses Jacob in Esau's best clothes so that he smells like Esau. She places goat skin on his hands and neck, and then she sends him into Esau or Isaac with food and bread and wine. Now verses 18 through 27 describe the re result. Let me summarize. Jacob is nervous. Isaac is suspicious. He asks Jacob who, who he is, and Jacob nervously, he lies. He says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. He kind of prattles on here saying, your firstborn, as if Isaac needs to be reminded of this. And Isaac remains suspicious, though. The timing seems wrong. Esau hasn't been gone that long to hunt and prepare food and in return, it just wasn't enough time. Now Jacob's lie turns into blasphemy. He says, because the Lord your God granted me success, I have been able to return quickly. Isaac is still not convinced, though. But Rebekah anticipated this with the goatskins. And although Jacob didn't sound like Esau, his hands and his neck 
felt like Esau. Ancient Near Eastern goats were different from the goats we have. We raised goats out at our ranch uh, when the kids were in, in uh, FFA. And goats are kind of coarse and white-haired usually. But uh, ancient Near East goats were smaller, they were black, and they had very fine hair, much like human hair. And the goat skins on his neck and his hands fool Esau. Then his, his clothes are made to smell like Esau. And in the end, Isaac is fooled into thinking that Jacob is Esau. Now, what are we to make of Rebecca's scheme? Because it involves fraud, lies, even blasphemy, and abuse, really, by using Jacob to fool her husband. And regardless of her good intentions, whatever her motive might be, it's flawed in two ways. First, she thinks God needs her help. Second, she thinks she can help God. Here's our second fill-in. God demands our trust, not our help. Because God doesn't need our help. He's God. We're not. It's interesting that at this early stage in redemptive history, God's chosen people didn't understand his ways or his power. The promised blessing isn't some kind of magic that can be applied or resisted. Instead, it rests securely on the sovereign power of the true and only God who alone is able to bring this blessing. The blessing, capital T, blessing, promised in Abraham to all humanity. Rebecca's error is the all-too-common error that lies at the, re at the root of all false religions. Listen to the Puritan John Owen. In the idea of seeking blessing, he says that seeking blessing from a self-strength carried on by ways of self-invention unto the end of a self-righteousness is the soul and substance of all false religion in the world. Isn't that what Rebecca's doing here? She self-righteously is taking it upon her through her self-invented method to help God. But that's the soul and substance of all false religion in the world. Proverbs 14, 12 is appropriate there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the ways of death. And Rebecca's error will have tragic consequences for generations. As we continue in our Genesis series, we'll see this theme running throughout all of this history of early Israel. It will have tragic consequences. But the Bible consistently shows us that God uses human ignorance and folly and faithlessness and even our sin to accomplish his will. That brings us to the final point, the fallout of sin from Isaac's futility and Rebekah's faithlessness. Now, Isaac's fooled, and he pronounces this blessing on Jacob in verse 28. 
May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the, of, of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. The blessing seems actually more fitting for Esau, doesn't it? The agricultural language here, the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, grain and wine, these point forward to the promised land. But they extend even beyond the promise of a reward of a renewed creation. Now, lordship over his brothers fulfills the prophecy given to Rebekah that the older shall serve the younger. But it goes further and includes the future generations as well. And finally, it passes on the Abrahamic language of blessing for those who bless Jacob and curses for those who are his enemies. So despite all the human ignorance and deception, Jacob receives the Abrahamic blessing just as God planned. Now no sooner has Jacob gone out than Esau arrives with the delicious food. Verse 31, Esau said, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and he said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it into me and I ate it all before you have come and I have blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. I want to focus in on this word trembled because in the Hebrew, it uses four words to describe the extreme nature of Isaac's response. It wasn't anger over being deceived. It was the realization with great fear that God had powerfully rebuked his efforts to put that blessing onto Esau and not Jacob. His trembling was from his close encounter of the direct kind with the living God. And suddenly the idea of any magic in this blessing evaporated in the realization that God had directed every single action to ensure that Isaac would bless the one God wanted blessed. Like Isaiah, generations later, who cried out in the presence of the living God, Woe is me! When when he encountered God, Esau or Isaac trembled violently and cried out, Yes, and he shall be blessed, acknowledging the futility of his attempt and the binding proclamation of blessing that he had given to his son Jacob. Esau now has a different reaction. Realizing what had happened, but not really understanding, he cried out bitterly over what he thought was the great steel. Now, just as he despised his birthright back in chapter 25 and sold it to his brother for a bowl of stew, Esau now shows his despising the promised blessing. In Hebrews 12:16 the writer says, "See to it that none of you are unholy like Esau, 
who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to, to repent, though he sought it with tears. In verse 35 and following then, Esau begs for a blessing, and he receives not a blessing, but an anti-blessing. Instead of the richness of the land and the dew of the sky, he will live by the sword. His life will be plundering others instead of reaping bountiful crops, always at enmity with God and with God's people. Esau will be remembered as an object lesson for what happens to those who despise God's grace. So was it a big steal? Well, in one sense, yes. Isaac has come dangerously close to despising the treasure of the blessing to be the ancestor of the Son of God. Rebekah's plan stole the blessing, more or less, from Esau, but Esau despised the treasured grace of God. Only Jacob had an inkling of the treasure found in this blessing. So, in truth, nothing was stolen. God's will stood firm and unchangeable. The older would serve the younger. Jacob would continue as the one in the promised line to Jesus. So here's our final fill-in. The blessing we have received through Jesus Christ is a treasure to be passed on to the next generations. It's a treasure that we must pass on. And that's the essence of the Abrahamic blessing in Verse in chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. That's the essence of the blessing that goes now to Isaac. That's the essence of the blessing now that continues on to Jacob. That's the essence of the blessing that will continue through him uh, into, the, into, the, uh, into the future. Abraham was promised an offspring who would bless all the peoples of the earth. And the promise passed through over 40 generations until the birth of Jesus. He's the Christ, the Messiah, the eternal Son of God who took on flesh and became like one of us but without sin so that he could die and we could live. And like many prophecies, this blessing of Abraham had a near and a distant aspect to it. Bible prophecies are like that. They're like standing on a hill and looking off into the distance. You may see a near hill, and you may see the far hills, but you don't see the valleys in between. Now, the blessing that Abraham passed to, to Isaac and now on to Jacob was fulfilled in the near sense as God protected and grew Israel to be a great nation. But the valley in between that was unseen was 430 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness. The blessing was passed in the middle distance, the fulfillment of a great nation. He said, God said, promised Abraham he would be a great nation. 
that was fulfilled under David and Solomon where Israel became the power in the ancient world. But that came after the time of the judges and the conquest and all of the, all of the things that we saw going on in first, first and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel. Difficult times. That was the valley between. And now in the incarnation of Jesus, Abraham's promised seed, we see his life and death and resurrection. It's a demonstration of God's power. It's a power not seen but believed by faith. It's the power that was in the blessing to Abraham. And we see it now in the distance back at at the cross. On this side of the cross, then, the blessing is seen as we wait through this current valley to the promise that we see. It's called the beatific vision. It's the vision that every believer will have when we see our Savior face to face. We perhaps are in the valley here now, but there's work to be done, as Pastor Steve had said earlier. The blessing is going to be fulfilled as people from every tribe and language and people and nation will stream to the Lord's true Zion. Now, the fallout of sin in this event was tragic, and it was far-reaching. Esau would vow to kill his brother, Jacob, eerily reminiscent of Cain and Abel. Rebekah sends Jacob away, but she'll never see her beloved son again. Esau's descendants will be, in the future, Israel's most bitter enemy, and Jacob will be deceived by his own sons. And on and on the fallout goes. But throughout Israel's history, they found hope from these events because despite the sin and the brokenness of their ancestors, they saw that God's promised blessings always continued. And we find the same hope today. Because Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand, controlling all things as we pass the blessing down through us, to our children, and our children's children. And these truths are what made last Sunday so encouraging because we saw four families up on this platform who stated their commitment to passing on the blessing. And then I heard a church, this church, continue or or affirm affirm them in their confession of that as they took upon God's trust in his covenant people, and I heard this church affirm that they would help these people do just that. And that's what the church is all about. That's the importance of of what we're doing here is we're passing this blessing on to the next generation. We've got opening for a uh, director of children's ministry because we're growing with so many children here. And passing that blessing on is what we're all about. The blessing with a capital T is a treasure that can never be stolen or lost because it finds its yes and amen safe and secure in the power of Jesus Christ. So I pray that we too would always treasure the blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you 
Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your, your word that explains how the blessing is passed and how it's preserved by your sovereign grace. Thank you for the sure hope that we have in knowing the blessing is for us and for our children and our grandchildren as you have uh, willed to do. So, Father, give us confidence to share the blessing and to live in obedience because of the blessing for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Don. Would you uh, stand? We're going to close with Be Thou My Vision. Be thou my vision.